You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Forest Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I am Ryan. On Forest Friends Rewatch, we deep dive Star Wars television TV shows. We are currently covering Star Wars Rebels Season 1, Episode 4, Rise of the Old Masters? Yes, that yeah. is what it is called. I have opinions yeah. about that title, but we'll get to that. I know my <laughs> shit. Before we get into that, Ryan's got a bit for us. I got a bit. I actually don't have a bit because I'm so overwhelmed by all of the Star Wars content that's coming out. I guess my bit is that did you know that I believe for the first time ever, November 2019, there were as many days where a Star Wars story was released as there were where one was not. That is a wild fun fact. Yes, there were 15 Star Wars release dates between comics, books, Fallen Order, Mandalorian episodes... And there's 30 days in November. So half of the days of the month, we got new Star Wars content. And I got to say, like, for the most part, it was all awesome. It's a good time to be a Star Wars fan. This is the best time to be a Star Wars fan. So let's let's talk about some of those releases. I have not kept up with the comics, although uh, the ones I have read are fantastic. Yeah, I haven't either. I read the first issue of uh, Allegiance, I believe it's called, the one where the Resistance is trying to recruit the Mon Calamari, and it was good, but I just haven't had time to delve into the rest. There was the whole Marvel kind of scandal with um, my boy Chuck Wendig. Yes. And and after that, I kind of like dipped my toe out. And I was talking to Matt Martin on Twitter. It's not like we're friends or anything, but he, <laughs> he, he, and, he and I have tweeted quite a bit at each other. Yes. Uh, throughout uh, the years now. He was like, hey, I get why you stopped reading those comics, but you shouldn't take it out on the other creators. And I was like, yeah, but they're, like, not entitled to my money. Yeah. I love Karen Gillan, and I love, uh, you know, Jeff Loeb, and I love a lot of really great comic writers, Matt Fraction, but, like, just because they're on a book doesn't mean yes they're entitled to my dollar when I don't necessarily agree with the decisions the company at large is making. I agree with that. That's completely fair. I might dip back in sometime soon. Uh, They've been putting out a lot of great content, and I do want to read it, and I do want to support it, but uh, I was definitely, like, I don't don't want to say, like, grumpy, but I I just felt weird giving Marvel my dollar after that. They did check really dirty. Yeah, and, like, I know my dollar doesn't mean much. Like, I'm sure Marvel doesn't (laughs) miss the three bucks for the, the issues that I would pick up. But, like, it means something to me. Like, if I yes. would feel weird giving it to them, then, like, I'm not going to do it. No, I, I get that. I completely get that. Yeah, that that was not cool what happened with Chuck. And, like, Karen Gillan is, without a doubt, probably my favorite comic writer. And the fact that he has been on Star Wars is delicious. And I do yeah. need to pick that up. 
I haven't read the latest uh, Vader run that he did, but I heard good things. I read like the first 10, whatever was up with like badass Jocasta new or whatever that whole thing was. That was oh, weird. So good. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, but the novels have been grabbing me. I'm halfway through Resistance Reborn. I read Spark of the Resistance, which like weird thing that I learned. Um, Spark of the Resistance takes place after Resistance Reborn and Allegiance, even though it came out first. That is interesting. Yeah, your Twitter pal Matt Martin said that eventually when all of this has settled, because the Galaxy's Edge publishing program and the Journey to the Rise of Skywalker both take place kind of concurrently, he said that he would put out a timeline of what's what. I've sort of figured out where all the Galaxy's Edge stuff lies, but the Rise of Skywalker stuff is still confusing me, so I hope we get that timeline before long. Not to, like, make it awkward, but Matt Martin's cute. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he is he's, an, he's he's an incredible dude. Yeah, he's fantastic. I agree with that. That is not awkward yeah. at all. That's simply a Star Wars fun fact. Yeah, he's Matt just Martin a handsome guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's great. For sure. He dresses for pretty sure. slick, too. Like, I mean, it's like nerdy chic. Like, it's good stuff. Yeah, I dig that. <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, anyway, Mandalorian's been great. I'm loving it. Yeah, I did not like the second episode. Um, but I, beyond I that, I disagree. I loved the second episode. Really? I I I apologize to anybody who knows me, but I've made this joke, you know, six times in the past week. But okay, so in the second episode, do you remember when the plot like really started getting going? Because I don't. <laughs> It, it just, it felt to me like it was at the start of the episode, the, the whole thing was, I have this baby and I need to get off the planet. And at the end of the episode, I have this baby and I got off the planet. Nothing that happened mattered except for the moment when we got the shocking reveal that the thing that looks like Yoda can do Yoda shit. Come so <laughs> I think it was to establish that uh, the Mandalorian loses. In the same way that in the Netflix Daredevil show, Matt Murdock loses constantly. And the second episode is just defeat after defeat, humiliation after humiliation. And I'm here for that. I'm here for someone who is, you know, Rocky Balboa and just constantly getting knocked down. I was really worried that The Mandalorian was going to be a show about a morally gray badass doing morally gray badass things and i'm so much more here for like guy trying his hardest and constantly being knocked down trying to raise this weird space baby i agree with that i guess i just think that had the first two episodes been one i would feel very differently I don't think there was enough story substance for two episodes of him on that planet. Um, and like, that's, that's fair. But I think if you went from episode one to episode three, true, you just would have seen this dude being yeah. like a Terminator. That's true. And in, instead we saw that like, no, he's, he's, he's kind of in over his head constantly. I am willing to hold off on, committing to my judgment until I see the rest of the season. Which so is everyone has been messaging me, asking me if we're going to cover the Mandalorian, and I've been saying no, not yet, not till it's done. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here, here's ten minutes on the Mandalorian. <laughs> True. What are we covering? 
We are oh, wait, covering... wait, wait. Before we even get into that, have you done anything Star Wars related lately? Uh, yes, I was Anakin Skywalker in the CW Network's Hollywood Christmas Parade, which will be airing probably by the time you get this episode. I don't know, uh, December 13th on the CW. Uh, it was really rad experience. I helped to coordinate the Rebel Legion's showing and uh, had the honor of hanging out with the whole Clone Wars contingent, myself and my boy General Plo Koon walking side by side with Rex and Wolf. I had a moment when I stepped onto that red carpet and the Star Wars theme started playing the moment our boots hit. That was awesome. Very cool. Very cool. This episode, this episode will probably be airing on the 20th. Oh, so then so, they, the parade will already have... Well, if you saw yeah. Anakin Skywalker in the parade, then you're probably my mom who sat through that much of a parade <laughs> to see me. So how you doing? But also... <laughs> Hi, Ryan's mom. <laughs> what about you? So what have I done? Yeah. Uh, I got some do- I got some dobacks for Star Wars Legion. Nice. And I'm working on painting them. They're they're very fun. They're very cool. I'm excited to get them on the table. Nice. And then I was a uh, good old Dutch Vander at the Baltimore Mayor's Christmas Parade. Yes, you uh, looked awesome. And I got to jump in the back of like this open jeep with a fleet trooper, Leia, and Ray, and we were like driving through the streets of Baltimore and I just had this moment of like this is the closest to being in Battlefront in real life that I'll ever be as we're hanging onto this jeep for dear life like plowing through the streets of Baltimore it was dope that is so awesome I saw the pictures and I appreciate that you had gold garland draped around your Christmassy gold leader that was yes I, I try. I try. That was good. That was good. You looked fantastic. You all looked fantastic. That looked like a really fun event. It was a dope event. Uh, the The Mando contingent was a ton of Mandos came out and they were getting the spotlight. I feel like they oh. probably have not gotten before. Yes. And it was it was really cool walking and hearing like so many people going, hey, Mando, Mando. Yes. That was really cool. That's Becca's. My girlfriend, Becca, her second event ever as a Mandalorian was that Hollywood Christmas parade I was talking about. And she was like overwhelmed. I think her helmet fogged up from the tears on the inside because there is so much love for Mandalorians right now. And it hasn't been there. Me and me and Ray became buddies. And uh, the amount of Ray love was really cool. Too. That's cool. That uh, is just, cool. Just so many, so many little girls going, Ray, Ray. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, some photographer asked us, was like, are you a, are you a, a princess? Is, is that what you are? And I was like, no, no, she's a feral sand goblin. <laughs> oh, speaking of it being as close to being in Battlefront as you were going to get, I got as close to being in Clone Wars as I'm going to get. I channeled Anakin Skywalker so much at another event that I scared myself and someone else. Um, this, this man took a picture with me and then he was like, are you Anakin? And I don't even know where it came from, but I looked at him and I kind of scowled a little and I said, if you have to ask, it's General Skywalker. And he apologized <laughs> profusely. He was like, I am so sorry. Oh my gosh. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm doing a thing. It's okay, man. Enjoy the game. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you. I don't know where that came from, but I hope to tap it in the future. So let's talk about Star Wars Rebels, because this is a Star Wars podcast where we only discuss the Star Wars television shows. Stay on topic like like nobody's business. 
<laughs> so we covered Star Wars Rebels season one, episode four, Rise of the Old Masters. Yes. And let's let's do this recap. Let's so do basically, it. Ezra and Kanan are finally starting some Jedi training, and it's not it's not going super well. Ezra is a bit of a punk and doesn't really respond well to authority. And Kanan is impatient and does not know how to be a teacher either. I think Kanan also has some issues with authority. Just a bit. And and shit's not going well. But they hear on a kind of Weasley Book 7 style radio broadcast that uh, Jedi Master Luminara is being moved to a new prison. And Kanan gets the idea, well, she's a real Jedi Knight. If we can free her, she can train Ezra, and then I'm in the clear from this teacher shit. (laughs) And Ezra's kind of like, hey, but kind of fuck you about that? But they, they gear up and go for the rescue anyway. I think this is the ghost crew at the most badass. Oh, yeah. Like, Sabine and Zeb are on their A-game, and Kanan and Ezra as well are, like, it, it is a well-oiled machine that they have going as they break into this prison. Oh, no doubt. But, of course, it's a trap, and they meet the main villain for the season, the Grand Inquisitor, who just mops the floor with them. Like, just, just wrecks them. They, they stood no chance. They are so outclassed. Uh, they do manage to run for their lives. And through some, some teamwork with their backs up against the wall, Ezra and Kanan are able to kind of open up a window to escape. And they, they book it out of there. Mm-hmm. But it is it is definitely not a, like, a clean victory by any means. No. They're clearly in danger. They get away to Hera and escape back to the ghost and they kind of have a talk and Ezra and Kanan realize that they both have to be fully committed to this mentor Padawan relationship or it's not going to work. And they kind of recommit themselves to it. I just kind of realized as I rewatched it that it's it's one of the Rebels episodes that is both action focused and character focused. I think this is one of my favorite episodes of season one. Same. Definitely. i I really love the Inquisitor. Uh, I think he is a fantastic foil. After having listened to any Freddie Prince Jr. interview that I can get my hands on and hearing him talk about how, in his mind, Kanan's master is the Grand Inquisitor, then it's Vader, then it's Maul, and then he's a Jedi. Yeah. And watching it through that lens. Oh, I like that. I haven't heard him say that. This is Kanan finishing his training. Because Kanan never finished his training, and the Grand Inquisitor is who finishes Kanan's training, and then Vader, and then Maul. And I think that's so insightful to the character, that he doesn't have an ally to learn from, so he's going to learn from his enemies and better himself that way. And you really see that this episode. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I wish we could talk about Fallen Order spoilers. It has nothing to do with Kanan personally, but what you're talking about with like Jedi having their adversaries as their masters, there's just a really poignant moment of symbolism along those lines. Actually, let's let's take a, a moment here to talk about our stance on spoilers, because yeah. we 
we're very upfront that this is a spoiler podcast, but but we can't. We're yeah. not we're not dicks. Like we're not just going. Like I'm not going to spoil uh, Rise of Skywalker opening no. night. No, it, it's too fresh, and we're not here to. Yeah, people can expect Rebels spoilers because that's what we're talking about. And Rebels has been out for yes years now. So just my stance on spoilers is it depends on the product. For movies, I would say two weeks. Yeah, two weeks is fair. I, I, I don't talk about spoilers for movies for two weeks. For TV shows, I like to give more time because it's harder to watch TV yes. shows. So, like, typically I'd say, like, three to six months, depending on how long the show is. Yeah. Is how long I would go without posting or, like, openly talking spoilers. Uh, for video games, I would say about the same. Yes. I think it takes people longer to get through games. They might not have the money to buy the game right away. Exactly. Games so, are expensive. And, like, I mean, Becca loves Fallen Order, but she's only halfway through. It's just people play at their own pace. You know, like, I raced through because yeah. I wanted to see what the story was about and whether or not, you know, Cal was going to succeed in his very unique set of missions that he's on. Becca more wants to explore and like, you know, she found a hot pink poncho for him and the kit to paint the droid to be hot pink to match. Yo, if that's how you want to live your Star Wars adventure, you're living it right. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> so when we talk when we talk about spoilers, though, that's that's kind of where we're at. We're not going to spoil anything that just came out. We no. want to give people time to enjoy the thing the way they want to enjoy it. If they want to read spoilers, go read spoilers. But yeah, uh, we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best to not do that without a a respectful time frame. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. That being said, like, <laughs> Clone Wars, Rebels. That's fair game. Last Jedi, like, anything that's been out for more than three months, we're going to be dropping hot spoilers for. Rosebud was the name of his sled in Citizen Kane. Sorry. There's a spoiler, see? <laughs> I remember I was in line for the Winter Soldier. Oh, no. And I was like, yeah, like, I can't wait to see the look on Cap's face when he, like, sees it's Bucky. Like, they had such good chemistry in the last movie. And someone looked at me and was like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, no. Bucky's the Winter Soldier. And they were like, what the hell? That's a spoiler. And I was like, this happened in the comic book like 10 years ago. Yeah, like, that's a known. I knew that. I knew that. And like, I don't have any engagement. Well, with like, like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean that's a spoiler? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, that's like people, like, yeah. Like people were mad. Uh, I, I think the same thing happened with like Gwen Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man 2. I heard people being like, that's a spoiler. That's a spoiler. I'm like, that happened in the 70s. Yeah. That's weird, man. No, like, that's weird. That's too much. Like that's not that's not a spoiler. That happened thirty years ago. Yeah, that's yeah. Pe- so like, I do think the spoiler police can get out of hand sometimes. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah. Like we're we're not trying to do that. Like, but we want to be respectful. All right, let's talk about this fucking TV show. Yeah, though. let's do that. Um, so the title of the episode, I do not like it. I think it was supposed to be a red herring and make you think that Kanan was going to find the help. That's dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know who the old masters are that are rising. I've I always don't. wanted to ask, but whenever I'm in a situation where I can ask someone who worked on it, I just always forget. 
Yeah. And now I feel like it's been too long and it would be a really weird question. And I don't want to be that guy that is obsessed with the title of episode four of the cartoon show five years later. I don't know. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> it does feel like a weird choice for a title. What do you think of the Inquisitor's lightsaber? Are you a fan? Are you not a fan? Because we get the reveal that it like it's double bladed and it spins. It's got a lot going on. I had a conversation with the designer of it once at a press screening and she was very nice. So I don't want to say what I think of it. <laughs> so I'll say this. When the episode aired, I liked it because I assumed the Inquisitors were not fully trained Force users. Yeah. I assumed they were kind of the bottom of the barrel. They were who Vader and Palpatine could rise like after the Purge and that they were using a technological trick to mimic being a talented duelist in the way that Grievous does. And that's thematically interesting. So I liked it at first. With the kind of, with the backstory we've now gotten for the Inquisitors, a lot of them are, in fact, fully trained Jedi. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't quite think it, it fits that narrative then that I had built for it. No, I like yours better. I'm kind of less inclined to say that I like it now, because now it just doesn't really make sense to me. I guess that I like that they all have the same lightsaber. It's it's very impersonal. It's yes. like a Jedi's lightsaber says a lot about who they are. And so I like that they have these matching ones that don't mean anything. They have no significance. That is cool. Yes. But I don't quite get all of the special features it has. If they were Jedi, then they shouldn't need these tricks. They shouldn't need these these cheats. They should just be great duelists. Yes. So please play Fallen not, Order. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on on how I feel about them. Yeah, I like the Inquisitors overall. I think they're interesting. Um, but the lightsaber, yeah, it's just too much. Yeah, especially with the whole like it it can hover thing. Like that's that's coming later in Rebels, and it's yeah. it's silly. It's never not going to be silly. It was initially designed for the Force Unleashed, and never made it into that game. But I don't know in what capacity it was considered for that. And then it was a toy. And then it came to Rebels. Yeah, I, I do wonder if it if that was the original backstory for the Inquisitors with the like bottom of the barrel, like four Caesars, that like must just have kind been of scrounging it. who they can get. And it, I, I do wonder if it was originally like a reference to Grievous. Yeah, because the toy was a Grievous toy. But it is uh you know they, they've they've since gotten these these newer backstories, and I'm like I'm always going to be here for more content that explains the characters and stuff. But I don't I, I don't know how I feel about the lightsaber anymore. At this point, I think it's a maybe a bit cheesy, but yeah, Grand Inquisitor is still a badass, so I'll take it. Oh no doubt. I I love how refined his fighting style is. He like he's kind of doing some Dooku esque like fencing poses. Oh yeah, he's a fencer, which is great. Yeah. He was able to tell immediately who Kanan's master was because he had studied the Jedi archives. I think that's really intriguing. That says a lot about this guy's uh, intelligence and tactical mindset. He's an all-around and intimidating foe. Yes. But that all the more reason that I wanted him to be kind of an unrefined, like make it different. Don't just make him Vader Jr. I, I don't see him as as vader jr i i do feel like he has a lot of dooku in him he feels kind of like a he feels kind of like a gentleman 
He does, but I just mean in terms of his arc. Like, he was a Jedi and yeah. now he is bad. I don't, you know, that was kind of a cool reveal until I started thinking about it. I'm I'm hoping we get more about his fall because we know he was yeah. at the trial of Ahsoka and that that's when he lost faith in the Order, seeing how much the politicians were interfering in Jedi affairs. He's like, the Order's lost. But we don't know what moment Sidious got to him. So, um, I don't remember where, but it was an interview, I believe, with Henry Gilroy, who wrote a lot of Rebels, that um, his take, and obviously this isn't like a canonical thing, if that's what floats your boat, but um, I like this interpretation, that Palpatine turned him before he turned Anakin, and he was, because remember, he was a Jedi Temple Guard, he was already working for Palpatine at the time of Order 66, and he murdered all of the other guards, catching them unaware, which is why we don't see them when the 501st marches on the temple. Yes, that is from a very excellent interview with Henry Gilroy and Alex from Star Wars Explained okay, uh, yeah. on YouTube. Uh, fantastic interview. Go watch the whole thing. It's very informative. And I do, I do love that. I find that very compelling that Order 66 wasn't just Anakin and the clones that Sidious had these other agents he had turned to jump yeah, on love it. That. that that is kind of horrifying. Yes. There were inquisitors who still turned after the purge, but I like the idea that some were in place. Yeah. And it, it makes sense that Sidious had backups for if this whole Anakin thing doesn't quite work out. Yes, he would. So what else about this episode did you enjoy? Um, I love the chemistry of the crew. I love that they're still coming together. I love Zeb being like a big bully brother. Any Zeb and Chopper's silliness is what I'm here for, really. I liked Kanan kind of being a scrapper. Yes. Like, he's not he's not super great at using the the force in these kind of showy no. ways, but he's he's good enough that he can like pull their blasters out of their hands and then just beat the shit out of some stormtroopers. I love that. I love that moment. I forgot about that until I rewatched it. Like a stronger Jedi would have just force pushed the troopers off the ledge. Yeah. Like maybe Kanan can't do that, but he can get rid of their guns and then just punch the shit out of them. He knows his limits to an extent. And I think that's interesting. He really feels like the, the pirate Jedi, the cowboy Jedi. Yes. Uh, I, I love Kanan very much. Same. Hera's great, as always. She doesn't have much to do this episode, but literally no. anytime she's on screen, I'm, like, paying attention because I adore her. Oh, yeah. And we got to see her awesome piloting, not just in terms of the practical application of skill, but in thinking outside of the box, dealing with those creatures. I miss the original Phantom. I love season yeah. one, season two Phantom very much. It's such a cool ship. It, it's a really great ship design. Yeah, it's um, iconic. It looks better with the ghost than the sheathapede that they replace it with. It, it it feels like Star Wars. Like, it is a ship design, you see it, and you're like, oh, that's Star Wars. Yes. It is unmistakably a, a Star Wars design with the, like, weird folding wings and the the little bubble turret, and yeah, I just like this oh, ship yeah. a lot. Anything that didn't work for you? Um, Besides the title <laughs> and the lightsaber? Yeah. Um, not really. Uh... I like, you know, it sets up future plot developments. It introduces Senator Travis. Yeah, that's a nice little little foreshadowing there. Yeah, um, I do wish, actually, yes, uh, 
the emotional impact of the Travis gut punch relies on the idea that he is Ezra's hero. The problem is they don't tell us he's his hero until five minutes before we need to know it. It would have been cool if in this episode, like Ezra knew who Travis was and somebody else was maybe confused about him or something. But Ezra was like, oh, that's called Travis. He's my hero. And then it really hurts when everything happens later. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely, definitely agree with that. I don't love Ezra's wrist rocket. Really? I get it. They didn't want to give him a blaster. And I love how long it takes for him to get a lightsaber. Yes, that was bold. The show makes him earn it. And it takes a while to get it. But it's these moments then where he is dealing with villains that are so outside his weight class and they constantly need to like knock Kanan's lightsaber away so Ezra can pick it up and then then Ezra gets defeated. And I'm not saying he needs a lightsaber. I'm not saying he needs a blaster because you don't want to give a kid a gun, I guess, is the thing there. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. There was there there could have been I think maybe something else that was a little more badass than the wrist rocket. Like yeah. I don't I don't need him kicking ass. I don't need him like being an action hero. I like that he is very clearly outmatched. But there there comes a point where the Inquisitor is just letting Ezra shoot him, and he's like laughing, like that. Yeah, that's it. And it's like. All right, Ezra, like you got to stop with the the slingshot. It's not working. Like move move on to plan B already. So, yeah. I don't know. It it's I don't have a good answer on how I would have fixed it, but I don't that, that's why I don't work at Lucasfilm. I think they could have come up with something a little bit more interesting and maybe a little bit more iconic than space slingshot. Yeah, I get that. I I it took me a while to get used to it, and I think now I am just used to it. Yeah, I don't. And again, like, I don't hate it. I don't I don't think it's terrible. Like, I think it's fine with like when he hits stormtroopers with it. Like, sure. Like we, we saw Ewoks use slings like an injury slingshot. Sure. But when he's like up against the Inquisitor or some of these like bigger villains, when he's up against Callus, like. I feel like he could have had something other than a slingshot that would have worked and maybe made those confrontations a bit more exciting. Yeah. I don't know what I would give him instead personally. Yeah. I d- again, I don't have an answer, but good old, good old Matt Martin could have come up with something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Filoni, Filoni, yeah. write something. <laughs> no, but overall it's a fun episode. Yeah. I like no, it. It's, it's a, it's a phenomenal episode. It yeah. is very good. It, it, it feels like a D and D mission. I think that's why I like it so much. It feels like, a game of Edge of the Empire. It really like does. It's, they they are an adventuring party and they're going on a rescue mission and it like the stakes keep escalating. There's a surprise villain. They gotta escape. It's it it's very good. It's, yeah. It, it's a solid episode. It really is. And coming off of the kind of silliness of fight or flight, I think this is a really solid gut punch. It was a good tonal shift, for sure. Cool. Well, I think that about does it for us. We have some housekeeping to talk about, though. Uh, 
first of all, we recorded our first three episodes, just Ryan and I. And since then, we have gotten a producer who did the vast majority of editing on those episodes and is going to be doing the the heavy lifting and all the editing for us from here on out. And that is Ronnie over at Bristol Podworks. Yes. If you are thinking of starting a podcast, I would say definitely look into uh, his work. I think he has phenomenal production value, and I'm very pleased that he has agreed to be our producer and we could not Same. be happier with him yes he rocks he also did our our intro music and uh he's great he's fantastic he is phenomenal go check him out and then we have joined the lunar light network of podcasts we have they are a uh queer feminist network of podcasts where they want to give voices to marginalized uh creators and I think their mission is fantastic, and I think that their network is doing some really fantastic work, and I could not be more excited that they have uh, asked us to join. So we're going to be hanging out with those people from now on, and you should definitely check out the other podcasts on the Lunar Light Network. Yes. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Force Friends Pod. We have a Kofi. That I don't really remember, but <sighs> if you want to give us like two bucks or Force Friends rewatch or something on Kofi, give us some money. We could yes, use it. We could. I got more minis I need to buy. <laughs> I gotta what do I, I gotta make clone armor. I think that's that's something that's coming down the line. Is that for you or is that for Pesto? That is well both of us, I think. I'm doing Commander <laughs> Cody and I think he's gonna do Commander Bly. Are you really doing Cody? I am doing Cody. Friend of mine is doing Rex. We're the same height and that's happening. That is too cool. Thank you. I'm excited for that. That's probably a celebration project. I think he is the like number one character I want to see in the Kenobi show. Yeah, same. Like Obi-Wan needs a villain. It shouldn't be Darth Vader. Make it Cody. Who should it be? I think... That would be killer. I think Cody would be really powerful. Yeah. And like Tamora Morrison is yeah. still kicking ass and like the perfect age for it. He is. That would be awesome. Oh man, I anyway, didn't think of that. Yeah. Okay. We we gotta wrap this episode up. We do. Uh, follow us on follow us on Twitter. Give us money, please. Uh check out the Lunar Light Studio of Podcasts. They're all amazing. And another special thank you to Bristol Podworks for making us sound like a real podcast. Yes. Thank you very much, Bristol Podworks. This has been Force Friends Rewatch. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, And until then, uh, may the Rise of Skywalker be with you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. By the next episode, everyone will have seen it. But we won't talk about it because we're not dicks. But the one after that, our bets are off. All right. Catch you next time, y'all. See you later. May the Force be with you. Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.